Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 603 with Calvin Wynn. Every aspect of everything I teach everyone, I make sure that I do it outside of work too. Every single detail from cleaning to not wasting, talking to someone, they should apply that everywhere in their lives. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable, and when you run your first First payroll, you'll get your first three months free. Again, that's gusto.com slash unstoppable. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Calvin Wynn, my man. Are you feeling unstoppable today? Extremely unstoppable. You know, I think especially I'm, since you're here, I'm feeling kind of unstoppable right now too because uh, you reached out to me as a listener when you found out that I was in Dallas, and you put, you put yourself on my radar, and it's just so humbling to to be sitting across from somebody who discovered this podcast uh, when they were getting started. 300 episodes ago, you know, and it's just, it's kind of surreal to be sitting here across from you, somebody who listens to the show and who has, you know, you found a lot of value from the show too. So that's, that's just super, like, it's kind of, I'm kind of, I don't even know how to explain it right now. It's, well, it's weird because I feel the same way. I feel like I'm talking to a famous person right <laughs> nah, now. Far so. <laughs> from that, but, but thank you. Uh, hailing from Minnesota, Calvin Wynn has always had a mind for business, management, and marketing. His first experience in the restaurant industry was a two-year stint managing the restaurant Zabuki. In 2015, Calvin opened OMG Tacos. By 2018, they scaled OMG Tacos to three locations, and they have opened two additional concepts, Chubby Tuna and Sweet Days. Needless to say, with five restaurants uh, that you've opened in the past three years, you've had some, a lot of success. I mean, I am really interested in how you did it, and I like to get people on the show who are having a lot of good success out of the gates because opening a restaurant in 2015 and scaling to like five or four locations in 
three years to do that in today's market is way different to do that say in 2000 or 2005 Absolutely. so it's 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 relative it's it's fresh advice you know if you're doing it right now and you're listening to this this is going to be a powerful episode so i can't wait to dive into your story to find out how you have done this but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote and mantra what do you got for us control what you can let go of what you can't control what you can let go of what you can't dive into that how does it resonate with you i honestly always tell my staff that every day because when they're just stuck on a problem and they can't figure out what it is, they're just going to keep trying and trying, but they're probably going on something they can't control. Mm -hmm. So they have to find something that they can control just to solve that problem. And there's no wrong answer, and there's always a solution for everything. So you just got to keep going, but you got to let go of what you can't control and control what you can. I love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. So... Bring us to where it all started for you. Uh, you you have a really interesting story. Dive into it. How far back do you want to go? <laughs> How far back do you want to <laughs> take us? Um, let's see. Um, I, when I was younger, I was pretty well off, and I didn't know what having a job was like. So in 2011, my family lost everything, so we moved to California to start a new life. And I was really bored over there. I didn't know what to do, so I moved back to Dallas, Texas, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just said I was going to finish school and figure out what I was going to do. And so I never had a job. I don't know what it's like to pay for an apartment or work at a job or figure out what to do with my life, get gas, get food, all of that combined. So I started couch surfing for a couple months because I didn't know where or what I was going to do and how to do it and how to get money to live anywhere. So I got my first job hosting at a restaurant called Cindy's, and my first check was $400. I was freaking out. I was like, yes, this is going to get me far, realizing that my rent's going to be $700. How am I going to survive on $400, right? And so you need gas, you need food, you need gas to get to work, (laughs) you need food to eat, all of that combined. So I had to get another job just to figure out how to pay for everything. And so as time went on, I looked for other serving jobs or other host jobs. and Threw a, a timestamp on us. What are we looking at? 2009? How far back are we going? Like 10 that, years? That started in 2011, 2012. Okay. And I started moving up, and I got a sales job in 2013. Okay. And I did that for 10 months, and that taught me a lot of value on success, self, uh, self-improvement, and um, talking to people, talking to other businesses. Where were you learning this? Was somebody mentoring you? Were you you reading books? Like, where did you learn this stuff? Actually, at the sales job, they make you read those books. They make you learn everything on self-improvement. They teach you how to do everything in sales. So I felt like that job was very pivotal, pivotal on my life, just to learn on how to grow as a person. Pull one book from that, that time Um, of your life that really influenced you the most and tell us how it influenced you. The Four Agreements. Ooh, that's a good one. It's really good. Um, honestly, I don't remember all four, but <laughs> the biggest one I remember is um, don't assume ever. Because okay. if you make an assumption, you're just guessing. Mm. So I dig it. I always recommend that book to everyone who's trying to learn something new. Yeah, get the data, right? I mean, experience things. Uh, pull back layers. Figure stuff out. Don't just stop short. Right, exactly. Uh, keep going. All right, so... During the sales job, I left because I just felt like it was so hard. I, I wasn't really that good at it, so I had to leave because I wasn't making any money. <laughs> good reason. <laughs> and 
Um, so then I found out about Zabuki. It was a new restaurant, 2013. I applied, um, brought in my resume. They're like, you're actually overqualified. And I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Let me just start what serving. What made you overqualified? I just put a whole bunch of stuff on my resume that looked really good. So <laughs> I, it took so long to do it. So they were like, you're overqualified. I don't know if you can work here. I was like, I just need a job. Can you just help me out? <laughs> and so I started working there. It was, was kind of slow at first because it's new. And then I worked side by side with the owner. His name is Joe. And he taught me everything I needed to know about restaurant from inventory, from scheduling, from um, shifts, uh, knowing all the positions, cleaning things, looking at things like small details in the restaurant. And then as I was serving, he just kept noticing that I was doing more things that others wouldn't do. And he was like, you want to be a manager? And I was like, oh, that sounds hard, but yeah, I'll try G- it. Give me some examples of the things that you would do that other people wouldn't do. So other people would be maybe like playing on their phone or just standing around, not like thinking ahead to clean tables or like checking on guests or... Um, yeah, just stuff like that. You Small gotta, you gotta create your own opportunity. Opportunity isn't handed to you. You gotta earn it, right? Absolutely. And, and you, you gotta give extra. You gotta show mm. people that you're willing. You want more. And when you want, when you just do it, like that's how, like the, the people are gonna pay attention to that stuff. You're gonna go up the chain a lot, a lot faster. And you listen to the show, so yeah. you know uh, when, when you say I had a mentor. You know I'm gonna pull back layers in that oh, person. Yeah, you know this sure. is this is a melting pot of mentors. We learn from our mentors. So what did this guy Joe really teach you about all the things you mentioned, inventory or or anything else, just about how to be. Um, he really taught me from A to Z because in that time of working there, he was opening other restaurants and he would ask me to help him set up utilities, set up, um, like, so internet, water at different locations, um, setting up other accounts for vendors. And I've never done it, but he showed me once and I was like, this is easy. I can, I can do this to every single place. Mm -hmm. And then ordering inventory, that was very, it's a huge restaurant, so there's a lot of inventory. And I would have to check every single thing. I was like, oh, man, this is going to take forever. But that's how you get your costs down because you're not going to overorder. How, how often would you guys check inventory? Um, oh, so long ago. Maybe. So long ago. It was like t- twice, <laughs> twice, twice a week, probably. That's twice pr- a week. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah. So why is it so important to check it often like that? Um, well, the size. If you order too much, it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. So you got to spread it out. That's, so, how I, that's how I do it to all my restaurants now, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the uh, just-in-time uh, ordering, or just-in-time, just I can't remember the exact frame, but it's what like Amazon uses and uh, oh, all the Prime, warehouse. like yeah. two-day, one-day kind it's of thing. It's like they, anything that, like, their communication, like the channel of what, what the product moves on is so, the communication is so good that they're, they're constantly, like, they're literally having things on the shelf for maybe a day or two, and they're, they're constantly going through and just making the most of that space. Right. Uh, because you don't want to put money. You don't want to hold up money on shelves. Like, that's cash flow. That's money exactly. on the shelves. You want that cash for other you things. You want to turn it right away. Exactly. For me, what I started doing for inventory days is, so I'll, I'll do an order on Sunday, and for that week, the beginning of the week is always a little bit slower than the weekend, right? So... Beginning of the week, you'll order a little less, so you put your pars a little lower. Mm-hmm. And then you order again by Wednesday, so it can come in on Thursday where it's busier, so you up your pars. So what are some of the benefits of that? Um, storage, not for, not, definitely not storage. So <laughs> you, you'll have everything in stock, and you'll watch your cost as a slow week. And then on the Wednesday, Thursday, a busier week, you'll know exactly what you need to order and how much is going through. And through the weekend, it's always busy, so mm-hmm. you'll definitely know what you're going through. Got it. So what else did Joe teach you? Let's see. He, I think he taught me every single thing. He taught me how to do 
uh, P&Ls. He taught me how to schedule. He taught me how to talk to employees. Any nuggets, like any specific nuggets under those genres or categories of things he taught you that you think is not common knowledge that we can benefit from? Hmm. Well, for Joe, he's more of a personal person. So, like, he's really connected to every single employee. Mm-hmm. Um, people respect him. He knows all the ins and outs of his restaurant, so he'll walk in. He'll know from every detail from hosting, serving, how they talk to people, um, the chefs. He's a culinary chef, so whatever they're cooking, how it's supposed to look, exactly how it's supposed to taste, like, very detailed. He's very detailed. So he taught me attention to de- detail at the end of the day. You said he also taught you how to talk to people. So Get into that. How, how does that work? What do you mean? Um, when you talk to people, you want to relate with them. You want to be in their shoes, understand why they didn't like something or why they did like something. You want to understand or ask them why they like it, and they'll tell you exactly, and you want the constructive criticism. And you just want to not so much dig, but just understand how you, you can improve as a business or as yeah. a restaurant. Right, the best way you go commu- to communicate with somebody isn't to use the right words to communicate, which that helps, but it's really just to listen, right? Exactly. If you want to communicate well, listen first, mm-hmm. then first seek to understand, then seek to be understood, right? Yes. I think that's one of those seven habits of great effect or oh, highly yes, effective that's people right. or something it like is that. In there. Uh, so, um, what else? Keep going. Like, how did you evolve here at this restaurant? Um, I actually was a manager, and it was just too many hours for me <laughs> so I was that's when I was starting to figure out what I wanted to do with my life okay. and so I stepped down as a bartender and just had a little bit less hours so I can figure myself out because when I was managing it was just constant chaos not in a bad way I like chaos but like it was just go 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 and you always have to figure out from A to Z when you wake up when you go to sleep and it's like oh my gosh I think I just need to step down and be a bartender and just figure out all the I just need to make drinks and I can make more money, I think. <laughs> so I was just figuring myself out. And that's when the opportunity of OG Tacos came up. Okay. So wait, how did that opportunity even come up? Actually, first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grain Junction Subs in the Craft Cave to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable nice so if there's just one thing that you love the most about revel systems what would it be it's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end we utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service taxes sales reports labor reports it's all there to help you run your business Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back, and you were just about to dive into how you uh, came across this opportunity for OMG Tacos. Very funny story, actually. Um, I have a friend. His name is Anthony. I guess, co-founder, and <clears throat> we went to go have a drink, and he was like, hey, you want to open a business? And I was like, sure. I was like, what kind of business? He's like, let's open a bar, and I was like, oh. I You're 25 know. years old at this time, right? At this time, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, 25. Okay. And at this time, 
Well, no, this was 2014, so I was 24. Okay. And we were like, let's open a bar. And we're like, okay, let's do it. How old is your friend Anthony? He's the same age. Okay. So we circled back a whole year later, same place, same <laughs> bar, and we're like, hey, let's open a business. Just time out for a second. If you're listening to this, try to imagine what it would be like opening a bar at the age of 24 years old. I'm thinking about who <laughs> I was at the age of 24, and I would not have been opening my own business, let alone a bar, with the responsibility I had at that age. Right. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure. So just keep going. Okay. So we circled back, same place, same t- or a year later. And then same drink. And he was like, let's open a business. I was like, for real this time? Okay. He's like, let's open a taco shop. I was like, tacos? He's like, yeah. Uh, That one time you invited me over, your tacos were good. I make it at home sometimes. And so literally the next day he goes, I have a space. And I was like, what space? He's like, there's this restaurant I go to all the time. Next door is, is vacant. I was like, Perfect. Let's go look. Time out. I got to interject again because the, this story <laughs> is like the exact story that you hear all the time. You hear it and you think to yourself, this is a recipe for disaster. Two oh. 24-year-old kids <laughs> looking to open her. Like, oh, you make really great tacos at home. We should open a restaurant. Yeah. Like, that is like the thing that you hear all the time when like, it's like, okay, good luck. But you guys pulled it off, so just keep going. Okay, so, um, so we go look next door after eating at his restaurant or his favorite restaurant. And then... I look inside it and it was all burnt and all like damaged in there. I was like, are you sure this is the place you want to put it? He's like, man, it's going to work. Look at the setup's already there. I was like, how do you even know what the setup's supposed to look like? Yeah, you don't work in restaurants. <laughs> and then, does he? What's his story? We don't even know his story. Um, he worked, so my parents used to have a sandwich shop okay. and that's where I met him. And okay. he was like making sandwiches and then we were met at some parties and stuff. Anyways, <laughs> um, and so couple hours later we called our realtor friend was like hey there's a space we want to get he's like okay i'll call the guy to set it up get the lease and so the next morning we signed the lease the next morning and so we got the keys put a deposit whatever and then we walked inside we're like okay what do we do next and we just stared at the restaurant we not knowing what to do at all and we're like let's start demoing i guess and then so the next day I went back to work at Zabuki because I was still working there and I asked Joe, I was like, Joe, what's the next step after you get a lease? He's like, you need, <laughs> you need a contractor. You need to get a permit. You need, a, you need to design. You need to get branding. You need to design, he, get your menu these, done. How did this conversation go? Was he like shaking his head at you the entire time or was he motivated? Was he like, like uh, supportive? Like what was it like? Um, he was confused at first, but he was like, I'll just tell you everything, all the steps. And I was like, cool. I mean, I know a little bit, but what is the next step after getting the lease? And he was like, da, 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 da. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go try that. Yeah. And there's a lesson here. Uh, be willing to go talk to people, uh, especially people that you've developed rapport or trust with people that you've served and you had that relationship that, that you'd be surprised at how willing people will be to help you out. Yeah. Uh, they'll you they'll go, tell you anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep going. Um, so working at a bar, I was a bartender at Zabuki. Um, you meet a lot of people. Uh, you get, all different kind of people in different industries. Um, that's where I met my first contractor and I reached out to him, asked if he could do the job. And he's like, yeah, this will be done in three months. I was like, perfect, let's do it. And so he did the job poorly. And in three months he was building it. I was like, what's the progress? Cause I, I don't know myself, but he was like, oh yeah, this is good. Don't worry. Yeah, it's all done. I was like, okay. A month goes by and I was like, hey, you said you would do this. Another month goes by. And then I was like, yeah, he's not getting anything done. I think I need to change contractors. Oh, man. So three months in, I spent $10,000 over, I would say. 
and found a new contractor, and this guy ran off with the money, and I was like, Jesus, it's, a, it's okay. Where are you getting this money? Because you're, you're, do you have investors? Are you getting like, did you have anybody who was who was throwing money in? It was was uh, your partner throwing money in? It was Anthony. Was that his name? Yeah, we went fifty fifty, okay. and um, everything is self funded. I worked every single day, seven days a week. Try to bar how many ten. hours a day? Um, at that time, bartending, maybe like 50, 60. Jesus. And it was just all cash, you know? So yeah. every single penny, I put all my eggs in one basket for this thing. And I was just like, let's just do it. I know this is going to work. So I just kept working and getting all the money just to keep putting into the contractor. And three months after the other three months, so six months in, we finished and we're open. How much money have you put into the project at this point? In this first one? Yeah. That was... It wasn't that much because it was a second-gen restaurant. Okay. Um, 80000 so But you 40, did 40. mention that there was a lot of damage, right? Was there a fire there before? Is that what happened? Yeah, there was a fire in the corner. It was small, but there was a lot of things to fix. Yeah. It wasn't as... Not the whole place was on fire, only a section of it. Okay. So it was really old. The building is still old. I think we... Is it worth diving into, like, what was going on? Like, uh, was the, the business already closed and down? Like, was that fire, like, the nail in the coffin that, like, buried this place, or...? Um, it was a Greek restaurant before. I'm not sure, but it was vacant for a year. Oh, wow. Vacant yeah. for a year. In 2015, I'm surprised there were so many restaurants opening. Yeah. And I think the worst thing to find out that it's so old and sitting there was the plumbing. We had to get it jetted out. So every, all the grease was just sitting in the oh, lines. Man. So that costs a lot. <laughs> I bet. At that time, that costs a lot. <laughs> uh, let's dive into like any other like specific things, things that like you just didn't see coming that ended up compounding on uh, the time and the expense of opening this first restaurant. Can you, can you go there? Can you think? Yeah, of, of course. Um, there's a lot of steps. Um, I would say when you get the permit, you need plans. Then you have to wait for the permit approval. Then you do the, you do design, you just figure out how much you want to spend, how much you want to budget to spend on things. Our original idea was to make it look like an outdoor picnic area. And so we wanted to look minimalistic, black and white. And we were cheap, so we wanted to spend as little as possible. So it was very, very plain in there. But we just wanted to open and make tacos for people and see how it would go. And a lot of obstacles were you're never going to spend how much you think. It's always going to be a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> what percentage would you say? What, what percentage oh. ex- more should you should you budget for um 10 to 15 percent yeah i've heard even people say 50 percent they're like it's gonna yeah there's gonna be especially it depends on how big the project is right if it's an old building yeah uh, and it hasn't been up to code like right these are some of the the variables you gotta start thinking Mm -hmm. about uh what was it about this building that made it sit for a year like why were people and you were able to sign the lease the next day was it (laughs) were like the the people that own this property like chuckling like was there something that you were missing like i don't understand why um it happened so quickly i think well, it's this really old lady owned it. Okay. So she didn't care. It was 25% vacant. Okay. So no one really, like, drove by that area a lot. Now it's developing more. There's, like, a Smoothie King, uh, a nice Applebee's over in the corner. So I think the spot is developing, so more people have more traffic. Mm-hmm. So before, I think it's just because it looked really old. Okay. And no one was, like, interested in it. But it was really cheap. <laughs> there you go. All right, keep going. Keep telling your story. Um, let's see. So we, oh, so we opened, and we started cooking, and we had the very first day of soft opening, we didn't have any recipes down. We just, we just guessed. We just <laughs> put whatever in, and we're like, all right, this is good. Let's just test it out. 
because when you make food at home, it's completely different from increasing the volume and doing yeah. it on a bigger scale, you know? So I tried everything that I did when I would do it at home, but it was not what I expected. You can't multiply it by two or no. times 10 or whatever, yeah. you know? And so it was a lot of trial and error getting the food right, but we finally got it down. It took a long time. And How as, long did it take? Um, to be honest, I'm still trying to improve it every day. Yeah, you know, I'm really little fasc- by little. I'm, I'm fascinated by the story because it seems like, I mean, you're just doing it like you're, I think right now, look at your, your Instagram presence. You got 45,000 followers. So it just, it blows my mind that you've been able with, with very little experience, two years, uh, never owning like it. it Oh, man, there's so many things I want to talk about. What was your approach to fine-tuning the recipes and to concreting those recipes? And how did you get it right? You said eventually you got it right, but what was that process like? How did you do it? So at first, we only did tacos. We had five tacos. The funniest, let me tell you something funny about doing the menu. Anthony pitched. He was like, let's do 99-cent tacos only. And I was <laughs> like, how would you get that number? How are we going to make <laughs> yeah. any money? So, I mean, we both didn't know, but... Learning from Joe, he taught me that when you calculate food costs, you got to multiply it by a certain number to make for make up for labor, make up for you know the food and et cetera. You got to find out exactly what you need to make to, to run the business. You, you start there, the, the end of mind. How much do I need to make to sustain this business? Right. And then that's how much mm-hmm. I charge for the food and you how guys- much how much. Um, the cost is how much everyone's going to spend, how many tacos they're going to get, you know? So did you do the 99 cent tacos? No, we didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'd be here if we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we only had five tacos at the time. And so that's how it gave me time to perfect our menu on just the meats because everything else is easy. Um, we'll do one meat at a time. So we'll do steak, figure that out. Next one, chicken. Next one, pastor. Next one, lengua. Barbacoa. So you were just doing one taco, serving only one taco at a time until you figured it out. Oh, no. Uh, trial and error on the each meat. Okay. But we, had, we had all of it. Okay. But it, was, it wasn't perfect. It was still worked on. And so later on, we finally perfected it, and then that's when we expanded the menu. I started adding quesadillas. Then I added burritos. Then I added loaded fries, loaded nachos, torta, and we just kept going on from there. Okay. So you had... You were just a home cook at this point. Were you cooking a lot, or like what? Um, what qualified you to be able to, to like figure this out? <laughs> um, so, when I moved back from Texas or from California to Texas in 2011, I didn't know how to cook, but I forced. Well, I was forced to learn how to cook because I don't have money to spend on going yeah, out to buy food. Exactly, and it's way cheaper just to cook at home. Absolutely, and I just always Googled everything and. Um, ask people how do I cook this um, here and there and then I just I like the science and art to it and mm-hmm. I love art and science mm-hmm. so the science the art just the cooking the heat you know like how you cut things why a certain item is it reacts a certain way like I think that's all cool to me any other things during the opening process uh, that you just didn't foresee that took you by surprise, that blindsided you that you can share with the people listening to this right now if, if they're getting involved at the restaurant with two years of experience and <laughs> four years of experience cooking all together? <laughs> um, I would say for the restaurant building itself, compliance, because there's a lot of things that you have to put up to code in order to start serving and health compliance, building compliance, 
that was a big thing for us because we knew nothing about it. So this was a second generation restaurant. So a lot of the the code was probably already there. Yeah, you just had to kind of like go through, flush the, the pipes, and clean right. everything up because it had been sitting so long. And everything that's in the second gen already in the city, they grandfathered it in. So there's a lot of changes now that you have to do, like knowing how that you have to maintain maintain the grease trap. Um, let me think. Uh, having everyone get food handlers or like. Uh, just small stuff like that. So, small things that you'd never think that you'd need to do. Okay. It always come up. Let's see. Let me think of one. Um, hiring staff. I didn't know how to do any of that. Like, <laughs> you never so, had to do that as a bar manager? or manager I didn't the, have to do that. Okay. But for me, I was like, so how do you get people into like want to work here? And so it all started with the referrals, of course. So the grand opening, I had all my family come in and, and help us cook, cut, serve, everything all combined. Like, it was just crazy because it was just all my family members helping me. Like, thank, thank goodness they were there. Were they fly back from California to help you out? Oh, no. It, they, I have cousins who live okay, here. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So that was all new to me as well. Um, so I think I derailed you a little bit. You were talking about uh, developing the menu, scaling. What was oh, it yeah. like? I mean, did you guys promote the fact that you were open? Were you, or did you just kind of open under the radar and hope that too many people didn't come in because you didn't quite figure the shit out yet? Right. Uh, <laughs> I slowly trickled it onto social media like hey we're opening a place come check it out we'll probably be open in a couple months and i would post pictures and on the build and post pictures of the sign and got a lot of reactions from it because it's something that people wouldn't guess i would be doing you know yeah and social media helps a lot on that um and then friends family a lot of support you know um yeah that's that's how i started bringing yeah. people in the idea of that I'm opening a restaurant and then mostly Facebook because you can check in. You yeah. Know, you can be like, Hey, we're doing this and then on and on. So when you were trying to develop these menus and you're making these changes, uh, were the first, uh, I guess was the first evolution or the first wave of recipes. Like how were people reacting to that? How did you, how did you alter the recipes and how did you change them over time? Were you asking for feedback? Like how did you like set these recipes in stone? I think the biggest thing from what really made me really want to work on it was Yelp. People were writing reviews, and I was like, one star, ouch. Like, and then they would say why, and I'd be like, okay, we need to fix this now. And I would check constantly. You know, as a new business owner, you're, you're always like, what are people saying? Or on Facebook, too, there's, um, you can review the restaurant. So people would say something, like, oh, no, I need to fix that right now. And then so that's how I figured out what each one was not good or good yeah and so and then people would come in give us feedback um friends would tell us were you asking for feedback right there in that moment or were you waiting from the bat the right the battery view <laughs> oh to be honest in the beginning we were kind of re- busy so i never had the chance to like step out of the line just to go talk yeah, to them that was my next question like how busy was it when you first opened it was surprisingly very busy why do you think that was honestly it's just i feel like it's just support of friends and family okay and then the word of mouth in the beginning okay and so what really took it off was when we expanded the menu and then a lot of variety and just people started packing, coming in and I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. I, I can't keep up. So how long did it take you to go from one location to two locations? I'm curious about that. Um, a year a and a year. half. So what happened in that year? What are the key things that you were able to do to make you ready to go from one location to two locations? So I met a guy in California. His name's Andy. Okay. He has an ice cream concept. And it's called Afters Ice Cream. And he started in the food industry as well with 
no food experience, zero. He came from the fashion industry. And so he opened that ice cream shop and he had one location. I was like, wow, this is a great concept. He has a thing called a milky bun. Okay. Where it's like a donut and ice cream in it. Okay. And it's like super cold inside, hot on the outside. It's Interesting. Crazy. So crazy. Anyways, and he did one location in one year. And then the next two years, he opened five locations. Wow. I was like, how did he do that? So yeah. I started like reaching out to him, so asking him how he did it. Like, how did you meet in the first place? met him in vegas okay <laughs> <laughs> the story at, is crazy at a, a fashion show called agenda okay yeah it was extremely so random. were you just following him on social media after that and after like, that saw, okay. yeah and they're and like I, hey and like remember me we met in vegas you're right we're pretty messed up but the, the crazy <laughs> thing is when i first talked to him about opening a restaurant before he did everything he did he's like or he already had his ice cream concept but i was like hey do you think you could help me open my restaurant or figure out all the logistics and how to run it and do marketing and all that? He's like, totally. You can bring it up to my team and you could pay a certain amount. I was like, you're going to make me pay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we always bring that up now. But anyways, so he went from five, but, uh, five locations in two years. And then every year he would open two to five. I forgot. Sorry, Andy. And so now he's at 26 locations. Oh, wow. And so that really inspired me that... Is it franchised at this point? No, it's not. No. It's, all, it's all them. And so that inspired me to think, like, I can replicate this into another location easily. Because we have a lot of people who drive from hours away just to come eat it. And so why not open one near their city, you know? And um, it's a lot harder than you think when you open in a different location because there's different demographic. It's a completely different area, different... Um, size depending how you set it up you know so what what did you have to do like what did you learn from what was his name dave andy andy what what did you learn from andy to be able to get to the point where you could replicate it like what things did you start doing in your business to make it scalable let's see um he was just telling me that if you can get it self-run on your location then you can go on and do something else or do another location so what did you do to get to that point um since we got really busy, a lot of everything went up. So sales went up, um, size of staff went up, volume went up in food. And so in that time, it gives me more opportunity to be able to hire a manager, uh, hire more staff to take care of whatever I need to do, and just trust them to just take care of it without me there. So I don't have to be there day to day to operate. What about any systems and processes? How, do you, were you functioning solely on trust for going from one location to two locations? Um, so I would, I'm pretty crazy on checking up on all my locations on my phone. How so, are you checking up? What are you doing to check? Uh, I use GroupMe. Okay. And I'm constantly like checking the cameras too. Okay. I'm like, hey. What are you using for cameras? Uh, it's called Swan View. Good. I don't know if that's good or not, but I, was just, <laughs> I just checked on Google the reviews. And if it's good, I'll, I'll buy it. And so... Um, the reviews, oh, I'm sorry, not the reviews, the way we, um, started to look on how to open a new location was what kind of city was more developing, um, what is going to be around it, location, location, location. So you're in, uh, you're in Dallas, you're in Fort Worth, and you're in... The Colony. The Colony. Which is a little bit up north. Okay, how far? Next to Frisco. Okay. And then you also, we haven't even talked, you also have... Uh, the Chubby Chasers, which is your pokey concept. Chubby Tuna. Sorry, sorry, 
Chubby Chasers is the t-shirt you gave yeah. me, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> People are probably dying right now. Right. Uh, and then you have another uh, concept, uh, dessert concept, Sweet, sweet uh, Days, sweet days yeah. with Holly. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. Oh, there's on a here. lot going on, yes. So, yeah. at the same time as the second OMG Tacos was building, Sweet Days was building as well. So... In building a restaurant, there's going to be a lot of delays. You're going to want to open by six months, but it's probably going to take nine to 12 months. Always something coming up, something with the city that you have to fix, some kind of compliance issue or waiting on a trade to come in and do a certain job, um, waiting for a sign to come up, something like that. You know, like everything, there's an obstacle in the whole way. The whole way there's going to be an obstacle. You yeah. just have to expect it. So going back to talking about scaling, you said you just kind of you would find a manager and you would just put trust in them. And I think that the, the trust is a very powerful thing. Right. And if you extend trust, uh, you can get trust. Right. Uh, you'll you'll get burnt probably mm-hmm. once or twice in your life. But there's a lot of uh, security. I mean. You I think need I have, trust, yeah. but you also need some, a couple other things. I guess what I was trying to get at was, like, what are the other things that you did that uh, only help kind of compound off that trust? Right. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is promoting within, making, seeing how long the person has been working there, see how hard they work, their work ethic, see what kind of vision, if they have the same vision as you to help your company grow together. And... The biggest thing is promoting within just because they already know A to Z. And so when you hire someone new and you just bring them in as a manager, I feel like the staff wouldn't really no, they're respect, gonna respect them. Yeah, they're going to be like, you're gonna, you didn't start at the them. bottom. Yeah, exactly. You know? So for people to, or a new manager, when you hire them in, they, the turnover rate's like, mm, it's not good. Yeah. But when you promote within, everyone else already respects them. They're like, oh, that guy would be a good manager to come up. And you can trust them because they already know what to do. And if they do it wrong, you already know why they did it wrong. Because, or they should know why they do it wrong. So I feel like I give a, a, lot, a lot of trust easily. Mm-hmm. Just me in, my, in OMG Tacos. Everyone else is like, you give out too much trust. Like, Have you ever been burnt? Uh, we can get into that later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain why. All right. um, but yeah. For me, I get, I trust a lot of people. Okay. I give people chances. So I'm just gonna come out. Like, did did you did you put any systems, processes, procedures in place to be able to rely on those things so you could go and work on these other projects? How are you in these other places? Are you relying solely on trust? Because that blows my mind. If you are, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the time from opening the second location, from when I opened the first location to the second one, I created a bunch of outlines for training and handbooks and just a lot of stuff documents that they can go through checklists a bunch of checklists one of your podcasts you recommended a check checklist manifesto Mm -hmm. that helped a lot yes that's a great book all over the restaurant you'll see checklists everywhere with the laminated and they have to check it off or sign it off what's the power of a checklist um they have to use it basically they have to go by whatever it says how do you know that they're using it how do they is it just a culture that you create or how you um the manager should check it also and sign it off at the end okay it'll be daily uh, monday through sunday so you're not just creating the checklists 
for guidance, you're making the checklist a part of the everyday by getting people to engage right. with the checklist. So you go through and you go through the check, you're putting your initials next to things next to things and then the manager comes by and says yes. okay you did this right. so there's a layer of cross checking yeah. it's not just here's a checklist it's cross checking too right got you accountability is basically. there is there a, did you create your own checklist or did you use a template for that or yeah i created everything okay. from scratch cool. almost everything is made from scratch even the food you know what i'm saying got you i dig it uh, uh let's see so i have uh front of house opening duties back of house opening duties uh closing duties front of house back of house um Prep, prep list, checklist, um, cooking checklist. What about recipe checklists? Recipe, we have a recipe book. Okay. And we use that a lot. And I, I wait for at least a new person who works there a week to show it to them. Yeah. Just in case. You know? Beautiful. One other thing I meant to ask earlier, and it kind of uh, slipped away from me, but I'm really curious, is you open taco, a taco place in Texas. There is no shortage of taco places <laughs> in Texas, believe me. Right. Uh, so, what was uh, what was different about your tacos, OMG tacos, that made them stand out? That what what did you put a spin on them? What, what was your unique selling proposition? All right. So you know how there's a taco place at every corner, right? Mm-hmm. For us, our initial vision was street tacos only with one special one. That's why we call it OMG tacos. And we have the OMG steak taco, which is an Asian fusion taco. And it has like sweet and savory flavor. And so when I expanded the menu, I added other OMG fusion tacos. I have an OMG chicken and OMG pork. And I incorporate like, have you heard of banh mi tacos? Or banh mi, like the bread? Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a steam bun. No, or no, like in a baguette. I'll show I'm you. I'm not familiar. I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. You. Okay. Um, and then our OMG chicken is a chicken teriyaki based okay. taco. So now we're trying to lean more towards Asian fusion okay. as our identity, as our I was brand. curious. So just the Asian, uh, you, you lean it to your ethnicity. Right. Basically, which is awesome. On brand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Anything else we should know about that? Um, not as of yet. We're trying to revamp the menu where it's more Asian fusion, and I will release that soon. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so, uh, take us back to the scaling. What other things did you do? We talked about checklists. We talked about putting trust in your your managers, uh, hiring for, or promoting from within. What other things did you do to uh, scale for, um, or to develop five or three unique concepts, five total locations in three years? Let's see. Putting trust in the managers that they can do whatever, but. The thing for me, as we were opening the second location, I was still checking up on the first location. I was still there like multiple times a day and just checking the cameras and just following up with them on group me and mm-hmm. asking them questions or like, it's pretty detailed when I look at the camera, I'll like zoom in just to see, <laughs> Hey, you're on your phone. Could you please go clean that table or something? So oh, that man. I'll still like big brother. Yeah. I'll still, <laughs> I don't want to micromanage them, but if you're playing on your phone, like you can go clean the table. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you just create that culture to know, like, they are watching. So, like, right. just because he's not here doesn't mean he's not here. Yeah, there's right. eyes in the sky. I'm, I'm so. watching. <laughs> uh, so, what about when you were opening these other locations? How are you deciding on the locations? Um, for me, what I look for in OMG Tacos is everything needs to be 15 miles apart so that 
it gives other people opportunity to come. Where'd you get that number, 15 miles? I just made it up, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest here. Yeah. Um, 15 miles, I feel like it's fair. 10 miles, some people would drive out 10 miles. Mm-hmm. But anything further than that, it's a little far. Yeah. I think that also plays, uh, that, 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 uh, that number has a lot to do, too, with the geographic. Like, Dallas-Fort Worth area is like a... It's pretty huge. dense. It's yeah. pretty dense. So 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. miles in that geographic is a big distance because yeah. there's so many options within just two or three miles, right? Like in California, you probably do five miles because yeah. everything's like right. super long. Yeah. Gotcha. Keep going. Um, so location, I would always look for a place that is either next to university or something that's developing and going to grow really big. Mm-mm. Why is that a big lesson there? Why, why is that important? There's more people there. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, we, we learned this from Paul Tunerman, who was on the show, right. who helped scale the uh, Kane's Chicken mm-hmm. concept. Uh, they, they went into uni- they actually went into universities oh, because wow. they would use that space, which kept their overhead low because then they didn't have to invest in the assets. Right. And th- college people are typically the first adopters. If you can get them to try things and get them to right. think it's cool and to mm-hmm. identify that it's cool, then that's when everybody else kind of follows in behind. And they're, and they're the ones that are out there tweeting it, sharing it. Right. So they're a great demographic to go after, especially if you're kind of a edgy, cooler, younger <laughs> brand, right? Right, exactly. Cool. Um, I also look for my competition. I don't want to be too... It's not that I don't want to be too close. I just want to be different from everyone mm-hmm. else. So... I think that's top three. Cool. Um, in that part. So I'm curious, uh, is Anthony a part of the, the, the operation yes, today? Is. So what role did you guys get into? What, what, what lanes are you in? So I think that goes to the challenge is everyone overlapping and doing the same thing. I think it's easier when you guys figure out what your roles are and stick to it. And you don't want to overlap someone doing the same thing at the same time. Because then you're doing double the work for no reason. So are you guys still trying to find those lanes right now? Yes. Um, I'm actually bringing in more operations teams. So we're splitting everything up. And it's easier to figure out where people can go in that way. And as of this day, I still work shifts and cook with everybody. So okay. just so I know what's going on. So what lanes are you in? Right now, I do more of the finances. And I feel like I still do everything. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it's I, not I help. unusual in three years to the, to be wearing a lot of hats. I mean, that's right. kind of. I mean, you, you want to try to offload as much as possible so you can focus on whatever it is you do best, or so right. you can focus on other projects. But you're still a young company. Yeah, I want to. For my goal is to step back and not operate and just help scale and grow bigger as a company, and hopefully franchise mm-hmm. later. And for everyone I'm bringing on operations, they can operate for me. Mm-hmm. They can help me out. They can do operations, food and beverage, you know, budgeting, um, finding their staff development, admin, catering on the side or something, you know. Cool. And, yeah, marketing. So what are Anthony's lo- uh, lanes? He does a little bit of everything, too. Okay. So do you guys ever, like, buy heads? And like when you're crossing over each other's lanes, or you, you, do you think there's one way to do it, and he thinks there's another way to do it? Uh, I think that's the best part about it. Is Anthony's pretty simple, so he'll agree <laughs> with anything okay. that I say. It's pretty. What's funny. he good at that you're not good at? Staff morale. Mm, so he's more of the culture side of things. Yeah, he makes everyone really happy. Okay. <laughs> so what, we haven't even talked about culture yet. How do you guys handle culture? Um, 
I feel like we're more laid back. You know, we can relate with them. We let them use their phones. You're only like as a couple years older than most of them. I would yeah, imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. We let them play on their phones, you know, put it down when it's the right time, you know. Um, we scream and but yell well, with how them. How do you know when the right time is? <laughs> you know, when there's a guest in there. Okay. so you, throw your phone in the back. Yeah, so if, if there's a, <laughs> as long as everything's done, yeah. as long as there's not a guest. Right. Like, do you have standards that you've established, like 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 uh, codes of conduct referring to phones? Right. Um, we have a handbook. It says all that in there, and they sign it. What does it say? Like, not exactly. Oh, as, I don't, I can don't you remember. paraphrase? I don't remember. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty long. <laughs> Basically, but you have something to say. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was an issue before because we never had any rules okay. opening. We, everything was just do whatever you want. And in time, as you turn over a lot of employees, mm-hmm. you know that they're either going to work or not yeah. so either one person will be on their phone 24 7 and they won't get off of it it's like why is that person working here and so that's when we established the rule like dude no cell phone policy when there's a guest in the store mm-hmm. um always help them and if they do if it's a bigger problem and it continues we had to or we did do this we had to tell them that they can only use their phone in the back where no one can see them mm-hmm. and so in that time they they just learn Mm-hmm. and they respect it and so i still let them use their phone just if they see a guest please just put it away <laughs> yeah so this this is a unique question i don't get to ask all my guests okay but for somebody who's been following the podcast over a couple of years uh you said you you started listening in like the, the, the 200s in the where, 200s where, yeah. we're about to eclipse the 600s uh yeah. in episodes where what have been the biggest lessons you've learned from our mentors, the people sharing their stories. How has Restaurant Unstoppable impacted you and your business? Oh, my goodness. So many things. Um, a lot of technology. Uh, one of the things that you had is uh, Jolt. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on that. It's very what complex. What is Jolt? Jolt is like its own operating system where you don't have to be there. And you can have a tablet where it checks off everything that the it's staff It's a checklist. Needs. Yeah, it's a, it's a checklist on a tablet. It's a digital checklist. Is and you can be sitting anywhere and it will ping your phone. Mm-hmm. And you can have them scan a picture or take a picture and it will ping your phone that they've done the task. Or put like QR codes on a prep thing they had to do. Like if they had to make Pico and put a QR code on it, you took a picture of the QR code and it tells you and shows you a picture or whatever. It's yeah, crazy. You can get, you can set so many just like uh, alerts. So say for example, if by, uh, if you close by, um, I don't know, six o'clock and you need your pre-close checklist done by five o'clock. And if you're like a, I don't know, that's probably a really random time to pick a closing. I don't know. Why oh, I, I have an example. A, yeah. Um, when they do inventory orders, it'll ping their phones, say, Hey, you need to do it before this certain time. And then when, the deadline is over. It'll, it'll ping your phone again and be like, yeah. oh, it's over. Or if it hasn't been done by a certain time, then you'll get a ping saying, yeah, hey, this exactly. checklist hasn't been completed that's yet. Crazy. So you can be like, hey, that, that's your cue to look at the camera to see how many people are on their phone in the front of the restaurant. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, another thing is um, one of your other podcasts was a budgeting one. Uh, reading back to your P&Ls, you can break down exactly what you need to be Scott done. Scott Peters. Yes, that yeah, guy. He knows that was amazing. Stuff. Yeah. I like that one. That one's probably the biggest one that I've probably went through because now I I break down my P&Ls exactly by the penny and know exactly what went through and how to fix it. So one month will be done with the P&L, right? And so I'll, I'll go through the list and figure out why this expense is more than whatever. And I'll go through each vendor and wonder why this certain week they spent more on a certain product. And I can just find out the problem and then we'll figure it out 
in the next month. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make sure to link to that David Scott Peters budgeting episode and to uh, Jolt in the show notes so you guys can find that if you're interested in it's this. It's amazing. Tools. What else have you learned? What, what, what about anything? Just anything books, a lot of books on there. What's been the best book you've discovered from Checklist the Manifesto. Okay, that's that's right. my favorite. Like <laughs> Before that, I, I just wrote things down and be like, hey, look at this. Look at the sentence, okay? <laughs> Instead, you can just make it a checklist and make them sign off on it, mm-hmm. you know? So everything was just words and sentences back then. And then they would, you don't even know if they would read it or not. Mm-hmm. But if you make it in a checklist and put it in sections, they can initial it and people can cross-check it, make everyone accountable for whatever they have to do. I dig it. Um, okay, so I can't believe we're already at 50 minutes of recording time. It's time goes by so fast. Uh, anything that you were hoping we would discuss up to this point? We haven't even talked about your failure yet because you actually, I want to bring <laughs> that to the show because we, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but you opened three uh, uh, OMG tacos and you've actually closed one of them. Was that recently? Yes. Um, the one I closed recently was in a mini food hall and the location was okay. It was a good city location. It was in uptown and that's like a pretty popular area, but we had issues with parking. There wasn't a lot of parking. It would always be filled by the weekend. Um, the weather is very weather centric. So there's a lot of people who are walking to come inside. Um, Sharing stalls. I think that's the biggest one for us, too. What do you mean by that, sharing stalls? So in a food, mini food hall, or any food hall, I guess, you, some places are different, but in the one we were at, we had a walk-in cooler that we had to share. Mm. So the restaurant next to you probably has the same item as you, but you know they don't know who's because who's, who's, they didn't organize it. And mm. what if they took a bag of your red onions and, on accident? You know, yeah. it's not on, Maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe it is, but... That was hard to keep up with cost, and you, you can't really track it when there's so much going on that's not your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, using chemicals for a certain area, like, do you guys want to share or not? Just let me know. If you guys are transparent with me, I'm okay with it. Just let me know so we can split the cost. You yeah. know? But we, we never know because we're not there 24-7, mm-hmm. and they're not there 24-7 for someone to tell us. You know, I think that was one of the biggest things, but... It wasn't terrible. This is all really, I think this is good stuff to get into because the concept, uh, you're seeing more and more uh, common areas coming up or right. uh, food halls coming up. Like this is something that's happening more and more, especially in like a retail space because, mm-hmm. or like space where there was retail, but now retail doesn't work anymore. Yeah, for so sure. People are putting all these like uh, food halls into like these big buildings. Right, exactly. Um, this is... There, there are a lot of things that are just unknown about that segment. Extremely unknown. So what are some of the other un, un, unknown variables um, that are worth considering? Working together to clean the common area, mm-hmm. like the dining Where people tables. sit. Exactly. So everyone needs to pitch in or take it, taking out the trash. Maybe one day our OMG Tacos trash cans are filled with one trash can. Or another day it would be all a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Or one day it would be all a sushi place. But... You can't just designate to be like, hey, you guys have to just take out your trash. Yeah. Everyone needs to work together. And I'm do surprised it. they wouldn't handle it like a condominium fee where like every uh, storefront or every concept pays a monthly whatever to hire somebody who is in to, charge of all that. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, they do have that, but I think the volume of how much we bring through, they can't keep up. So it's always like maybe for like one hour it'd be super full and mm-hmm. dirty and then we can't go out and just do it if another place is closed at a certain time because we open until three in the morning and everyone else doesn't mm-hmm. so we can't really control that while we're super busy you know so what are some of the other unseens um 
I think those are all the biggest ones that I can think of. Every location that I've experienced, there's the staffing is different. You know, um, some some places you'll get a lot of people who want to work. Some places you'll barely get anybody who wants to work, and some places who will demand so much dollar per hour. You know, mm. it's it's crazy. So we didn't really get into why you, why the the reason was for closing this uh, common area space. Um, honestly, I thought that it wouldn't grow any further than it could. Mm-hmm. And we could open at another location closer and bigger. So just didn't, the 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 cost of running the business didn't outweigh. It wasn't worth it. Yeah, okay, you weren't you weren't making enough. And the- yeah, I mean, sharing and paying a percent towards the building, mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth it in my experience. How long did it take you to figure that out? Maybe five six months. That's in. not bad. I mean, that's less right there. Like, get out. Well, yeah. you know, and how much money do you have to put into the space to get oh, it? Oh, not that much. Okay. Maybe like 20000 Okay. Well, it's, it's something, but, you yeah. know, I hear you. But you also want to get I out. I mean, not much for a full size. I mean, what, was, it, <laughs> was it sucking money or were you making money off of it? Some months were pretty bad just because we couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And you can't really replicate from another location to expect it to be the same. Mm-hmm. So... Some months were bad, but it wasn't like terrible. And some months we didn't really profit that much. So I just didn't think it was worth it for yeah. how much work we had to put in. I mean, and that's, you know, it, it's going to happen. You're going to make decisions that aren't going to work out, but yeah. you got to like react to them. You can't right. try to just go in and make it work because Absolutely. sometimes it's just not going to work. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to win every yeah, battle. And one thing I've really liked about your story so far is a lot of times people will get uh, paralysis by analysis, right? And they'll, they'll try to, they want to open a, a restaurant. They want to do something and, and they never quite, do it because they're afraid or they're over they're over analyzing everything whereas you and anthony and holly kind of just said okay let's just do it that's and that's started my, that's my thing and slowly <laughs> over time uh you you start putting these systems in place you, you start creating recipe cards you start doing all this stuff and you and you it doesn't have to be perfect on day one you just have to start and the thing is if you put that time and effort into making it perfect you're going to pull the trigger you're going to launch and then every all that hard work you put into you're trying to force the situation right, right. and you kind of have to like figure out what the situation is and then adapt to the situation exactly. and when you are small and nimble and you you can pivot and adapt much faster and you can then create the systems and processes and procedures around what the reality is mm-hmm. and a lot i mean a lot of people might have been shaking their head during the earlier portion of this conversation where you're just like, I don't even know. That guy just went out there. But there's something <laughs> to be said about just being a, like a lean startup. Like be a, min, a, a minimal viable product, right? An MVP, a minimal viable product, just something. Right. And then react to the market. And But you have to also react and you have to pay attention to what's going on. And you, and you have to be willing to then once you know what's going on, cement the standards and all that stuff to culture, right. which it sounds like you did. Exactly. So really cool stuff from this conversation. Anything else you want to bring to the conversation? Anything that you, you were hoping we would talk about that we didn't get around to before going to the speed round? Um, let's see. One of the biggest things is when you go into a business and you work with people, for my biggest advice is always find someone who works harder than you. Mm. Just because you don't know and get to know the person before you work with them because you don't know how What was that last going. part? I missed it. Um, I already forgot. Oh, um, <laughs> always get to know the person beforehand okay. too. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't know their work ethic. You don't know how hard character. How, yeah. You don't know how much they're going to put in, bring to the table. So I think that's one of the biggest things in this time frame of my 
OMG Tacos mm-hmm. journey. And I know you, you mentioned Holly is uh, behind a lot of the social media. Yeah, but she's you guys have a, an incredible following on a lot of your, your right. concepts. I didn't see how many followers you have with um, uh, Sweet Days. Sweet Days. Actually, that was even more than oh yeah 102,000 102,000 you have what i think it was 44,000 45 45,000 yeah, with yeah. omg tacos and then uh chubby tuna i didn't even check that one where are you out there um this one's fairly new we we didn't really play with the marketing as much but now we are okay. so how m- maybe like 2000 2000 <laughs> but how many months in are you um may so may of, la- of 2018 yeah. So you're Seven, almost a year, yeah, you're almost a year, but you haven't been really yeah. pushing it that hard. So any lessons you've pulled from Holly, anything, is she, is she like in her own little bubble and she doesn't even tell you what her, her strategy is or what can you share from us that from observing what her social media strategy is? Like what, what are you guys doing that makes it so, um, awesome? I think one of the biggest things is people, everybody uses social media. So everyone's on their phone. So you want to relate to them. Um, they'll take pictures and they'll tag the restaurant the best thing for omg tacos so far is when when they would take the photo we would share their photo and it kind of excites them makes mm. them feel like they belong. you engage with them and you yeah. make them a part of it so exactly. they would tag your restaurant and you, you would repost their posts on your account right that's really great too because that's less work right yeah <laughs> for sure you don't have to go take the picture yeah. yourself and i think one thing that enables you guys to do this is that your food really pops it's gorgeous you guys do yeah. you put a lot of thought into making it visually appealing yeah, um, on social media, we want to kind of follow a theme, colors, mm-hmm. um, type of filter, mm-hmm. or, you know, all of that. And a lot of engagement goes to when we ask them questions, too, because they always comment back and answer the question. And that's how we get their feedback. Give me an example. Um, an example would be, let's say we dropped an item and... We asked them, do you guys want us to bring it back? Or which item should we do happy hour for? Or how much is this? How much is that? Or we're going to drop loaded fries. What should we replace? You know? So you're bringing them into the decision-making process. You're right. engaging them in a level that what affects do they, their life. Yeah, exactly. I love it. You want to cater to them too. You know? Good stuff. All right, man. Uh, this has been great. I've been, one thing I want to start asking all my guests is you know, this, this, the mission is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And we, we will transform the industry by transforming individuals. So let me know, how have you transformed as an, an individual over these past <laughs> it's only been three years, right. but, but I don't mean to like laugh at that, but what, how have you transformed over these three years? Who were you getting started and who are you today? Um, I feel like everything I bring to the company or as at OMG tacos, every aspect of everything I teach everyone, I, I make sure that I do it outside of work too. Like every single detail from cleaning to, not wasting or talking to someone. They should apply that everywhere in their lives. And for me, before I was just in the zone, just working, cooking or cashiering, you know, but instead there's more to it. You teach people how to clean a certain way, talk to a person a certain way. Um, training, you, if you train someone a certain way, there's a pattern to train someone else a certain way and they just snowball that. Mm, I love it. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's been a great chat. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back.
So this probably does not come as a surprise to you. But as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs. And you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. We're back. There are customers rolling in, so we got to make this a true speed round. The first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, me personally is I get a lot of things done really fast. What is your biggest weakness? Um, I don't sleep a lot because I'm always thinking and I get tired, but I'm working on it. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you believe you look for during the interview process? Um, what kind of new ways to do operations? You know okay. what I mean? Like how can they operate better? How can they contribute to the operation? Yeah, 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 like something new that no one has ever done. Got you. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Um, opening a new restaurant with a full bar. That's a new experience for me. And I didn't even know you had another one on the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm relocating one of my locations. Okay, interesting. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is something that's common within your four walls, not common within the industry. Um, I, th- I feel like we're more laid back, so I really let them do whatever they want. That's, mm-hmm. I feel like it's pretty uncommon. We're not that strict. And what is one book that makes a better person or restaurant owner? I think I know the answer to this one. Checklist manifesto. <laughs> yes. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I don't go often enough, but from my experience so far, from looking at other people's restaurants that like friends, zero waste policy again. Yep. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls that has had a huge influence on in operations? GroupMe, Google Drive, Jolt, and social media beautiful uh and i'm gonna go on a limb here and say that your most precious platform on social media is instagram correct yeah (laughs) if you got this is the last question it's a doozy are you ready for it wait yes 
If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three things be? Um, it would be being adaptable. Um, let's see. Overcome your pride. Be teachable. Be a good student. And another one is stepping out of your comfort zone. I love it, man. This has been a great conversation, Calvin. Thank you so much for taking the time to to follow Restaurant Unstoppable, to reach out to me, to let me know that you're here and that you want to contribute to this resource. It was an, an honor making an example of what you've accomplished in such a short time. We wrap up every episode calling somebody out. So who do you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you today? I think you would love to meet Andy. Andy from out west in uh, California? Though. Yes, yeah. Andy Wynn. Andy Wynn, look out. I'm com- what are we with all these wins? You guys like- oh, yeah, we're just all related. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how can we connect if we want to follow your, your work or uh, reach out to you or um, maybe come join you too? You can follow me on Instagram. I'm always on there. Calvin with two eyes or OMG Tacos TX on Instagram. Beautiful. So. Uh, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com and you'll find a summary of today's discussion, a link to all the tools, services, and books recommended, and how to connect with Calvin over there. Again, Calvin Wynn, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. All right, there we go. Another episode in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you all found value. Before I let you go, I have to remind you, please sign up for the Restaurant Unstoppable email list. That is where you will never miss an episode and you get the behind the scenes of what's going on here, where I'm at, what's on my mind, and what the future of Restaurant Unstoppable looks like, and you can have an influence on that. Don't forget to connect on social media. That's slash Restaurant Unstoppable on Facebook and at Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C. C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E on Instagram. But the most important thing you can do to support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry is by sharing this sucker with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.